everybody, and welcome to the Path to Good podcast. This is VIP Disconnect's podcast about how we're making our company an even more amazing place to work. I'm Jen, and I'm here with Maggie. Hey, Jen. And Sally. Hey, Jen. Hey, Maggie. Hey. Um, so today, I think we've talked a lot about the company and trying to become a B Corp and the history of the company. So today, I think we want to talk a little bit more about our fearless leader, Sally, and kind of how we came to be and how she came to to start this company. And so I think we'll go back in time and just have Sally tell us her story and kind of how we got here. Well, it's very exciting. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it is exciting. It is exciting. I think uh, it's very interesting. I didn't even know some of it until recently. So that's why I think it will make an interesting podcast. Well, it definitely is a, a journey for me. And I'm really grateful. I certainly haven't done this by myself. And, um, you know, if I go way back, the first moment was really when I was working in a small um, retail business. And I read an article about a concierge company in DC run by um, a woman named Mary Naylor. And I reached out, I thought, first of all, that sounds really cool. I've always loved travel. I used to read like the Frommers, the old, old travel books, like in high school for fun. So I reached out to her and I never heard back. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a first lesson. I reached out to the company um, probably four times before I was able to really connect with them. And, you know, I just thought it sounded really interesting to me and ended up joining her small company in Washington, D.C., providing concierge services in office buildings. Um, Capital Concierge was the name of the company. You know, as one of the first employees, we were probably under 10 people, really small. And it was definitely not what I had envisioned, but it was a little bit like a hotel concierge uh, working out of a lobby of an office building and um, planning travel and, and dinner reservations, exactly what you think a hotel concierge um, does. And then pretty soon after I started, uh, there, the company took off and was really growing. And I moved into a manager role and was walking all over the city in DC and, you know, really experienced my first, looking back, really experienced my first exposure with um, a difference between what a client expects. You know, they expected a Four Seasons uh, concierge experience in the lobby, the Class A office building lobbies, and we were not able to pay people what they needed to earn. So this is where the story really begins, and that's painful, right? So, um, you know, if they were great, our team members were certainly great, but they were on display for every office to interact with them in the lobby, and they would hire them because they loved them and they were able to pay them more. And so that became our whole story of a lot of um, uh, growth, but also struggling to really stay on top of meeting the client's expectations and keeping the building staffed with uh, great team members. I love that you reached out four times. That's definitely your personality. <laughs> like you mentioned, 
being able to pay people enough is kind of the path that we're on now. So that's where that really started was back with Capital Concierge. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, as as time went on, um, Mary had great vision and she was always um, pushing for growth and new opportunities and um, formed the concept of taking the concierge model to a toll-free number. So offering it to luxury brands, uh, financial services, credit cards would offer concierge service. So we built this um, model that involved having concierge in a call center and we went out and raised money. So that was my next kind of experience of now I moved into this new company, which at the time was called VIP Desk. And we went out to raise venture capital. So outside money to grow this, um, you know, I think I would say a nationwide model of concierge services. And uh, I just kept moving from, from the days of managing the concierge, moving into operations, really seeing both sides of the equation. We had a large partner network. Um, if you can think about concierge services, so how we delivered the service and really wore two hats, the side that decides, you know, and figures out how to staff and then the side that figures out how to deliver services. So, um, but moving from office buildings to a call center, that was kind of the next one uh, spinning off uh, into a new company and building out a call center operation that was new, new certainly new for me. Um, Anyway, that was kind of the next step. And then you talked about going into raise money. So tell us about that experience. Oh, well, if you want to hear a funny story. Now, imagine it's 2000, 2001. We're raising money. We're out west in Silicon Valley. It's Mary and I and our, um, her board, our board um, of angel investors at the time. <clears throat> and one of the meetings I'll never forget um, it was a heavily male-dominated industry. I think it still is. But when we were there and had dinner, one of the investors said, you know, we're really more focused on verticals at this time, which we were not. Um, they said, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go with theman.com, which just cracked, <laughs> <laughs> cracked me up. Okay. Like, I'm like, okay, like, really, who goes to theman.com? Maybe it's the single metro 35 year old white guy. I don't know, but it was like, uh, that was pretty funny. So I thought, I'm not sure if raising money out West is going to be the ticket for us. <laughs> I wonder if the man.com still exists. I, I don't think it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go to that website and check. But... <laughs> I saw funny. you reaching for your phone. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but we did raise money and uh, that enabled us to really build out uh, our team, our, our infrastructure for, you know, growing the call center. And that too was an experience, right? We, we had a call center in the Washington DC uh, suburbs, which is not a hotbed for call center services. Um, so that was challenging. Then we moved our call center to Cincinnati, Ohio also challenging. And then we moved it to Bend, Oregon. I don't ask me why. And then we moved it back to the DC area, all the while really chasing 
the idea of trying to find a higher skill set that would be happy in a call center, which the two things didn't seem to go together very well. So this is how we found our way to the home-based model. I think that we really struggled. It's like the same story. The expectations for skill levels pretty high and finding that match at, you know, and being able to pay them well in a call center, it just was, it was challenging until we, until we were able to really migrate to a at-home business model. I think it's, you just wanted to travel to Oregon <laughs> and Cincinnati. I remember you started your journey with us with your love of travel. So I'm thinking somewhere you read something about Cincinnati. Yes, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Oregon. The hot, the hot place to go is Cincinnati. <laughs> That's funny. I did, hey, I, I did don't love, knock, don't knock Ohio. No, I mean, I lived in Ohio and my aunt and uncle and cousins live in Cincinnati. So that was a benefit. I didn't oh. pick it for that reason, but <laughs> I, did, I did get to see them, which was pretty awesome for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just migrating to an at-home business model was sort of life-changing. It allowed us to find a higher skill set at a lower cost of living and really match the needs of the clients. It was a, it was literally a home run, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it seems like it was just about the time where a lot of technology was emerging too, that it seemed to kind of go into play that you had tried different regions of the country, um, you know, to find that skill set. And I also think like with concierge services is you want experts in different areas. So absolutely um, going, but it seems like, you know, just as, as you were discovering, you know, the problem of getting great people, being able to pay them well, the demands of the clients and often 24 seven service, you know, like you need to span time zones. Exactly. Um, it's like a, it's a perfect fit. I mean, I, we certainly, as you can imagine with financial services as our client, you know, 10 years ago, um, crossing the security hurdles to be able to build out a home base model across the U.S. Um, but we stuck to our guns and you know, really were successful, I think, with that model. And we do that to this day. Now, today we have a few teams that are actually centralized and we're actually sitting together in our in our headquarters, but for the most part, 85, 90% of our team is distributed. And we've talked about that and all the benefits of it. So, you know, certain things I think we're committed to, and that's one of them. Absolutely. All right, so now we've, we've, we've gone through trying call centers. Um, you became an expert at implementing and bringing <laughs> on board individuals to go through that. Um, transition to technology. And I do know you were very involved with that tech. You say you're not a tech expert, but I, I believe you have a lot of expertise in that area. Um, so kind of take us through where your journey went from there. So having the virtual model established, um, bringing on more clients into automobile, financial, different sectors, like where did it go from there? Well, it's, it's certainly true that part of our battle with our model was the security and having multiple data centers, redundant systems, PCI compliance, and all of that stuff, you know, long time ago was kind of the foundation. And I think it's a, you know, it was like going through all those security audits was certainly a challenge, but it, it really laid the foundation for us to be able to grow. 
Um, but what came next was, um, was our sale. We merged with a very large company headquartered in Singapore, and that was like 2011. So we were acquired by a large company, and that was an experience. You know, we had, you know, gone from, my experience was going from being an entrepreneur with, with Mary Naylor, um, being part of the Young Entrepreneurs Organization and having that kind of support into a company with venture capital and a proper board and good structure. And that was a great experience and growing into YPO, which is a bigger entrepreneur and uh, organization. Um, and then when we sold, yet again, that was, and, and you were with us, Maggie, when we went through this process, it was very different. First of all, it was a global company. Second of all, it was an enormous company. And third of all, I just moved in sort of minion status, I would call it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was a mini minion then. Mini minion. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but I mean, I did have some really good experiences uh, helping them implement the platform and technology because they had call centers in they like 24 different countries. We helped them build out the operation in the UK with a home-based model. That was all brand new for um, the UK and for them and um, migrating operations and all kinds of components of the business was, you know, definite learning experience. Thank you so much, Sally, for sharing your story from kind of how you started up to the point where you joined this giant international company. So what was it that made you decide to leave that company and start this company? So after working inside of this large company, a global entity for three years, um, we had, at the time, we had grown into uh, two distinct businesses. We had a concierge business, which was our foundation, and we had been growing a customer service business, actually at the time that we were acquired. And over the course of the three years, uh, it was clear to us that they were very interested in growing the concierge side of the business and not the customer service side. So there was a moment um, when I was on a phone call and they wanted us to prepare the customer service side of the business for sale. And I said, well, if the numbers work, maybe I will buy this back myself. And that's where it started and that's where it took us. So it was like as simple as raising my hand. Um, they talk about leaning in. I figure why not? You can always lean out, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a great experience. I never expected it. It was, um, I went down a trail and in you know four or five short months, the deal was structured for me to spin off and, and take a part of the business that they were not, that was not central to their business, which is kind of a classic story, right? But I didn't really initially expect that it would just be me. I had a really great experience with our executive team. And when I spun off, you know, they were, they were happy with the environment in which they were um, currently working. So I spun off, you know, not by myself, but certainly not with the current executive team. I remember after you said, what if I buy it? 
because you talked to me later that evening. You said, what did I just do? You <laughs> <laughs> said, am I crazy? Am I whatever? I just said, I'm going to buy this whole company. And I was like, man, you've got, that is like fearlessness. Fearlessness. Or, or, or something, but no. no. <laughs> I could just like being like, that is amazing. Like that is like being so proud, like to go for it, to think like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like yep. no hesitation. And I think that's like through your whole journey. It's like, you just have no fear. Yes. You're like, you just said, throw your hat in. Why not? Well, I did, but I also feel like I've been fortunate to have good support from Mary and then even uh, Laurent, who uh, was the president of this large entity, said, what's the worst that can happen, right? He's kind of right. Like, what is the worst that can happen? I put my energy forward, work hard, focus on the culture. And that was really as challenging as it was to spin off some of those skills that come from being in a scrappy startup kind of come back as sort of handy skills. So I'm, I'm sort of like a, 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 a uh, jack of all trade to some extent, kind of a marginal writer, marginal tech person, pretty good with numbers, I have to say. Like, so some of those skills you develop when you're a small entity really are helpful when, you, when the opportunity presents itself. Um, I just think it was sort of like the meeting of, of an opportunity with all the things that I had already done. And then the good fortune of the clients to stick with me and for, you know, kind of the directors, managers, um, our brand ambassadors to, to make the transition to the new company, which has the old name which doesn't create any confusion whatsoever. <laughs> We're the third generation. Yeah. We're, the third, we're the third generation. It seemed like a great idea to keep our original name. <laughs> it but, was a great idea. Yeah. It just took us a few years to iron out some confusion. But yes. That's okay. We figured it out. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think that's really awesome. We were talking about it the other day, and I thought this has to be a podcast because it's really interesting. And here we are today. We still exist. We're doing great. We're on our path to become a B Corp. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that is through the lessons that you learned from the very beginning throughout these other companies. I also think, and it's just a credit to you two and the rest of the executive team and our broader leadership team and the brand ambassadors and our clients. Like for us, this is a different company, right? We've been able to build it brick by brick, like in the image, in the value system that we all support. And that's refreshing. We're like, I say to Maggie many times, don't I? Like we are not indentured servants here. We get to do what we think is right. We get to do what we like to do. We get to do it with the people that are amazing. So I think that that is very different, you know, coming out of a, an environment where I was, you know, an employee, then on, you know, working with a board, then living inside of a large company. And now, you know, we have sort of the, the world is our oyster. Like we get to, we get to grow in the direction that we want, which is exciting. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think that we always end the podcast by talking about our culture, but I kind of feel like that really sums it up well, that now we get to build the culture that we want with this with this new company, and that's what we are doing. So thank you guys. Thank you, Sally, for sharing your story with us. That was really great. And thank you for being here as always. And thank you, Maggie, for being an amazing co-host. And we thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you.